0: Welcome back to the Strong Opinion Hibs podcast. As always, I am Jack and tonight I'm joined by Charlie. How are you, Charlie? I'm good, mate. I you yourself? I am good. I'm, good. I'm looking forward to watching the big women's Champions League game between Wolfsburg and Arsenal tonight. Um, I'm rep- representing, I'm representing. Um, and we're delighted to be joined by a special guest. So, no Calvin tonight, but we do have a special guest as a third member of the podcast. And I feel a bit outnumbered with the beards here. It is Dave Armstrong, um, my colleague at Edinburgh City Women and Hibs TV match commentator. So thank you for joining us, Dave. And how are you?
1: I'm good, mate. Yourself? I'm
0: good. good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, just, oh, uh, just, just, uh, just
1: thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate
0: it. All right. No, I'm, I'm just uh, buzzing for the night. eh? Um, so it's been a good one. Um, I've been a busy boy today, but it's good to get you on the podcast and be good to watch some Champions League action later. Um, so anytime we have a guest on, Dave, um, we just ask some questions sort of get to know them. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to jump right into those. And the first one is, uh, how did you end up falling in love with football growing up in Ireland? So,
1: as you probably know, growing up in Dublin, um, I'd say when I was about four, then I started getting into football. Um, unfortunately, in Dublin, it was kind of Dublin's dominated by Celtic you know, Dublin Celtic, Celtic, Celtic. People go to Ireland games and Celtic Tops and it drives me absolutely nuts when I'm going to an Ireland game and people have Celtic Tops on. Um, and it, when I got into football, it was kind of during that Manchester United boom era. So it was Manchester United, Liverpool. You know, it was all coming over to Ireland because the thing was up until the 70s um, in Ireland, it, we didn't have English football. It was only until match of the day and, and television started to get to that next level that, English football started to be screened so it was all League of Ireland stuff so looking back on history uh, you know I had a, league, a local League of Ireland team so mine was St. Patrick's Athletic who are only 10-15 minutes down the road so I started supporting St. Patrick's Athletic you know ultimately you know I know you're not a fan of him but Pat Fenlon played there, Brian Kerr was manager you know Brian Kerr is a, a legend for St. Patrick's Athletic he was manager of Ireland uh, underage and senior so yeah, it was. It, you know, it was St Patrick's Athletic for me. It was a roller coaster similar to Hibbs. and um, I, I threw on that Liverpool top for the first time in '95. You know that ill-fated FA Cup final loss to Man United. So, um, didn't have a good start to my supporting football. But um, now for me, it started with uh, St Patrick's Athletic, and you know it was a small ground, Richmond Park's tiny. You know, it's similar to Ainsley Park, just with a bit more capacity. Um, And still is like that, you know, a lot of grounds are getting upgraded now, but um, I don't know if St. Patrick's Athletic will have the chance to upgrade their ground, they were denied by the council recently, so I'd love to see them in a a bigger stadium, but um, yeah, that's kind of been my football journey so far, when I was young, when I started out, it was all kind of, started out with the League of Ireland and then, you know, it was uh, Liverpool for me.
0: Yeah, and I think you sort of answered that question there, but um, obviously, apart from Hibs, what football team did you um, support growing up? You just sort of answered it with St. Pat's. but was there any other sort of Dublin teams that caught your eye, like the two big Dublin teams, which sort of side of the divide do you prefer, Bohemians or Shamrock Rovers? Uh,
1: I'm a very rare breed of football fan, put it that way. I I have the teams that I support, but I I support Irish football as a whole. I'll watch any games. I watched a lot of Finn Harps games last season. And the season before, um, Kosovar Siddiqui, when he was playing underage, you know, he was playing reserve for Hibs, he went on loan to Finn Harps, who's playing there and he still is there. Um, after signing permanently after that, and then obviously Stephen Bradley lighting things up at Dundalk. So, you know, I'd watch any game, you know, I'm the type of person that'll sit down and watch watch any game. But it, the Rovers and and, and Bowes rivalry is, is one that I always loved, you know, just to watch as a neutral because. It's so petty. It's one of those really petty, you know, needless derbies that like they're always having to go at each other. They're like Celtic and Rangers. They denied each other capacity for fans. Even after COVID, the restrictions are lifted. They're still denying both fans entry into Dallas Stadium. So um, I don't have a preference between the two. I just love watching those derbies and, and seeing the the fan reaction and the atmosphere that you get at stadiums like that.
0: Yeah, I think I watched. Um, I think Under the Cosh did a little vlog when they went to the Dublin Derby yeah. Um and I didn't really know what to expect. I hadn't really watched much League of Ireland before that. Um, and I thought the atmosphere, just especially like the Shamrock Rovers Ultras, I mean, the, the atmosphere looked fantastic. Um, and I, I, like I said, I didn't know what to expect because I'd only really had an experience in the League of Ireland on FIFA, like playing with teams on yeah. FIFA. And of course, I was like, you know, I, I didn't really know what to expect of it, but I, I watched that vlog from them inside the stadium, and obviously, like what big John Parkin said was you weren't watching the football on the pitch. So he said, Oh, that's like League Two National League standard to him. You were watching the fans in the stands. And and that's what it's like. I, Irish football's like in terms of the fan culture is like really underrated for me because if the, the fans are amazing, especially like the, the bigger clubs in the League of Ireland. So yeah, you
1: know what? COVID has been a blessing in disguise for League of Ireland, I'll be honest with you. Um, it's drew fans back to the stadiums, you know, before COVID. The attendances weren't really there, you know. the The league was struggling for money, and clubs weren't having a lot of revenue. And then, see, during COVID and post COVID, it's it's attracted a ton of the local community to their clubs. Um, you go to any League of Ireland game now, and it's packed out. You know, clubs are getting sellouts. Um, the Dublin derbies are selling out as well. You know, it's 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 been a blessing in disguise because it's brought so many people back to the the local. Side of football rather than just going to the pub on a Saturday, whatever you know. League of Ireland is similar to Denver City; it's a Friday night game. You know, it's seven forty-five on a Friday, and the only matches that are played on Saturday are either Finn Harps or Sligo Rovers because they're out west, so it's a longer commute. And obviously, the guys it's part-time football, so um, for some of these clubs, so obviously they have jobs on top of that. Um, But yeah, blessing in disguise. COVID, you know, the pandemic. These are the good sides to it. The pandemic's been awful, but for Irish football, it's been a bit of a you know, there's been a silver lining and that's brought a lot of the local fans back to the clubs and kids that have only just started out supporting these clubs because they didn't know there was a club local until, you know, they, they had no football to watch or they had no football to go to, you know, so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and who was your favourite footballer growing up? Of all time? Yeah.
1: Paolo Maldini, hands down. Um. I think I grew. I was very lucky to grow up in the era of, you know, Football Italia on Channel Four. Um, I had a lot of Italian football shown on Channel Four every. There would be a magazine on Sundays, you know, Sunday mornings on Channel Four, matches on Saturdays. So I was very lucky to grow up in an era where I could watch all of those phenomenal footballers every weekend on Football Italia and Galacto and so, stuff like that. So, Paolo Maldini, hands down. I I don't know what it is that drew me to him, but he just his defensive game was just second to none. I don't think I've ever seen anyone better than Paolo Maldini defensively and that's coming from a Liverpool fan. <laughs> you know what I mean so um growing up I think I've always had a soft spot for AC Milan, you know, I just absolutely love AC Milan. Um but yeah, it's it has to be Paolo Maldini hands down. There's just no, no no one beats him for me. Yeah, and did you
0: have any sort of like favourite Irish footballers um, when you were growing up and who's your favourite Irish player of all time
1: Um, I know a lot of people will say like the the Robbie Keynes and and the Damien Duff's and that but for me I think my favourite Irish footballer of all time is probably Paul McGrath hands down Um, I know it's another defender I know but I think what what tips it for me was uh, when we were competing in the world cup in 94 um he played with a a dislocated shoulder for about 80 minutes of a game he was just absolutely phenomenal unbelievable shouldn't have even been there shouldn't have been on the pitch but he played the full game and just put everything into his performances you same at aston villa um i had the pleasure of interviewing sean teal uh during lockdown And he played at Aston Villa with Paul McGrath. And I got a lot of, you know, really funny stories from from Sean about that. And, um, no, Paul was just a... Still is a legend. You know, he's had his demons. A lot of players have. But ultimately, probably Paul McGrath, Favourite Irish player of all time.
0: Brilliant. And um, what got you into football commentary? And who would you say are your idols within commentary as well?
1: Mm. Uh, My number one idol is probably George Hamilton. You know, he's been... Commentating for RTE, which is basically STV in Ireland, it's the national broadcaster. Um, and he's been doing it since the early 80s. You know, he's been not just football, you know, he was the one that got me watching athletics, he was the one that got me watching rugby. Had no interest in rugby, I still don't from a domestic level, but from an international level, I still watch Ireland, same as people watch Scotland, even though they're you know, they may not love rugby, but you'll still watch a country. Um, and I don't know what it was. His enthusiasm just drew me into everything that he done, whether it was athletics, you know, the Olympics, whether it was rugby, football, didn't matter if he was the commentator for that, I'd be watching it. You know, his, his voice was just amazing. Um, he's still he, he's only just recently uh, stepped down from the Ireland games, which is a shame um, because his commentary on the Ireland games was just unreal. It was just like listening to somebody reading you a story while the football match was going on. He was literally reading the story of that match as it was happening. Um, So he's he's my absolute inspiration. But for getting into commentary is a really sad and embarrassing reason as to how I got into commentary. Um, so we've all played FIFA, right? We've all played FIFA throughout the years. So growing up, what I used to do was I used to mute the commentary and just do it myself. So sorry to all those spent hours recording on FIFA and all that um but yeah I, I used to just kind of run the run the commentary and play by play myself on FIFA games um and that just kind of spiraled into me doing audio commentary on Facebook for games Um obviously audio only you can't broadcast games on on social media so uh yeah the, to be honest with you after slaying my own demons I've had a lot of mental health problems over the years um I think I was 27 28 you know i had only just gotten my life back so I sent a three minute. I done a commentary on a, an Arsenal Liverpool game, um, and I cut about three minutes of that commentary, and I sent it into Kenny Miller, who was the um, head of media for Hibs at the time. I said, "Look, I don't know whether you need anybody, any commentary, any commentators, any media guys, or whatever, but I want to send you this clip of my commentary. Tell me what you think. Any feedback is is appreciated." and uh, yeah, he got back to me, he liked it, said it was very understated, he let the other guys in the office hear it, and um, that's when I started kind of shadowing Cliff Pike and and Keith Reed at games, and uh, just kind of snowballed from there. I just started doing my first game against St. Johnson at McDermott Park. Um, I was literally asked the day before, so you can imagine, I was literally on the bus home from work, I got a text message, and if it wasn't for the wife, to, you know, she turned to me on the bus and said, look, if you don't accept that, it's never coming up again you know, and uh, all credit to her. She just said, you know, she was saying, do it. Doesn't matter how bad you are, just go and do it because you'll never get another chance if you turn it down. And um, I did it. I wasn't terrible. I wasn't great, but I wasn't terrible. Um, and it just kind of carried on from there. And it's it's pretty much, you know, started with Hibs and then um, obviously do, I don't really do commentary much for Ember City. It's more the social media side. But, uh, you know, commentary-wise, I've done some... Some pretty big games and uh I'm just I'm just keep rolling with it until you know I get to my dream.
0: <laughs> that's, that's really good to hear that. You know, um I'd say in terms of like obviously with more I'm more into the sort of like presenting side of football media sort of thing, but like I think I'd maybe be willing to try my hand at commentary. I say my favorite commentators I'll, I'll probably go to is obviously Derek Ray, who does all the Bundesliga stuff yep. for um Sky Sports. He's excellent. Um and he also used to do the SPFL um, mm-hmm. for a little while on uh, ESPN, and then obviously um, I think your know, um, Frank Bushman who used to do the German commentary. But mm-hmm. that's how I knew him. He used to do the German commentary on FIFA. He used to turn the German commentary on on FIFA. So, so don't worry, Dave. I'm as sad as you for that. <laughs> I, I used to turn the German commentary on on uh, FIFA, um, and yeah, like, and then I just started listening to Frank Bushman because he does the um, he does the Dritte Liga, the German third division commentary for Magenta Sport, which is. Sort of like a German version of Premier Sports, yeah. um, again, gender sport where it's pay per view, um and yeah. So I'd say yeah, I've got my commentary idols as well, and it's great to have that because Derek Der- supposed-
1: is Derek is a is a bible. Yeah. He's a Bundesliga mm-hmm. bible. Um, there's yeah. not there's no one I've ever seen with such a as deeper knowledge of German football other than Derek Ray. Like he's just phenomenal.
0: He's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, our final question on the sort of getting to know you, but you sort of mm-hmm. touched on it there. But obviously, you work alongside myself, at Edinburgh City Women. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Unfortunately, yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's
0: all coming out now. Um, so, um, you're you're my assistant. I'm the I'm the real gaffer. Um, um, the, uh, Edinburgh City Women. You also do a lot of work with the men's team in the um, SPFL League mm-hmm. Two as well. Um, so, how did that role at Edinburgh City come about, and what was what's it like working for? Obviously, what's basically Edinburgh's third team after Hibs and Hearts.
2: Second
1: biggest, though, eh?
0: But, well, yeah, second biggest, but uh, third in terms of where they are in the league. So, you, you know what I mean, where they are in the league pyramid?
1: Um, you know what? I was looking to try my hand at a kind of social media side of things. I've never really done it before. And in football, the more skills and more skill sets you can add to your repertoire, to be honest, the better, the more useful you are to clubs um I'm not young I'm 34 obviously I don't have time for university I I don't have you know the ability to go to third level education so I kind of had to do all of this kind of self-taught and and teach myself a lot of these things and and pick the brains of everyone that I come across um so with Edinburgh City I sent them an email I just said look I'm looking to you know kind of branch out and do graphics and, and social media you know and uh the club secretary at the time, Colin Campbell, got back to me and said, look, we have a women's team um, that's starting out um, in the SWF championship. And I said, okay. Um, and he, he kind of said to me, look, it's just a blank canvas for you to to do what you want, really. And um, I couldn't really turn that down. You know, it's he, I, I can learn as I'm doing it. You know, it's not something that they have, you know, goals I, I need to hit. It was a matter of, look, We've not got anything right now. We've never had anything, so you know, just come in and 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 do what you want. We'll we'll build something and see where it goes. So that was how I got into the women's side of it. Um, you know, I don't, I used to do the post match interviews for Hibs reserves pre COVID. So I'd be I'd be doing not just the senior team, but I'd be doing the um post match for the reserves uh, home and away before COVID. So, um. You know, I got to do a bit of that again, you know, doing the post-match with the, the player and manager and things like that. Um, and then, you know, the, the chairman and director of Edmund City kind of seen what I was doing, the women's, and asked me if I'd be interested in coming on doing it for the men's. Um, and I kind of, again, it was another opportunity where well, that's another thing to add to the repertoire, you know, it's another thing to add to the, to the CV. So, yeah, I thought I'd give it a crack. And since then, it's kind of, again, just snowballed into me being a, being at match and doing a bit of everything. You know, I do team sheets, a uh, small bit of photography for hospitality, stadium announcing, commentary. Every, you know, it's one of these things where I get to do a little bit of everything. And you don't, you don't get a lot of places where you can do that. You know, mm. the lower leagues in Scotland are a great place for people to to start out doing what they want to do because you have the opportunity to do that a bit of everything. Um, but the higher the league, you higher you go up the leagues, the more kind of professional with all due respect it gets. You know, it gets bigger. It gets, you know, the staff is bigger. You you start talking full time then. So, um, that's kind of how I got into that, and obviously took Jack on uh, for the women's side. They wanted him for the men's, but he was hell bent on sticking with the women. That was fine with me. I wasn't going to make him do something he didn't want to do. So, yeah, I've now got Jack with the women's side, and it's been. It's been a good season from a media point of view um that's the one thing you have to you have to do and have to learn when you get working in football is you can't judge your position on the results effectively because your your results come from the content the quality of the content the content that you're producing so for us it's been a great season so far um, the graphics have evolved the post match has evolved from you know just we've had equipment that I've, that we've purchased and things like that. The equipment's been increased, you know, the level of kind of quality of the content's gone skyrocketing. So we're just looking forward to next season now. This season's only got a couple of games left. Um, and then we'll once the season ends, we'll just start prepping them for, for next season and see where it goes. Obviously Jackson University, so it's not a bad uh, case study to have on the side when he's doing a study. So yeah, it's that's pretty much where we are at the moment.
0: Yeah, I think... Um... I'll, I'll pass you over to Charlie Mintz so he doesn't feel left out, but because uh, we, sort of, <laughs> we went on the, um, went to the Edinburgh City gang there. But I know, I think I've, I've been I've been really enjoying this season so far, working with yourself and with the team. it's It's been good. So, um, yeah, and it's been good to get on my experience. And it's like you said, You know, I think it's like the Kelty Hearts chairman said it as well, that everybody at a lower league club has about five jobs. I mean, yeah, I'm not just doing the social media. I'm also doing the post and Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm Kenny's... Uh, kit man and ball boy yep, as well exactly so the car and everything. so yep. i'll um, pass on to charlie now dave charlie's gonna have a wee chat to you about uh hibbs
2: hi so dave you mentioned uh, earlier on about growing up in dublin and it's all mm-hmm. mainly, mainly celtic fans so how how did you fall in love with hibbs
1: um it, it just it was a kind of a natural fit because i moved here in 2010 um for work uh, after the recession, there wasn't that much work in Dublin. I think I had two part-time jobs at one stage. I had then I had one part-time job, and I was claiming social welfare and stuff. It just wasn't a wasn't a good time, to be honest. Um, I was kind of bouncing between home and my uncle's house, and it was just very a lot of people in Ireland at the time were between things and couldn't get work, couldn't get jobs, and money was very very hard to come by. And I I just said, look, it's 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 either I make a decision now or I'm stuck in this fucking purgatory for God knows how long. Um, so I kind of looked up where the most jobs. I didn't want to go too far afield. I had a couple of job interviews in, in Toronto and Canada. And, you know, I had a couple of job offers from there, but I just felt too far afield. Um, so I looked at the UK and I said, right, where what city has the most jobs? Where's the most employment I have more of a chance? And that was Edinburgh ultimately had the most employment of everywhere. So I jumped across, I sold everything I had, jumped across, gave myself two months to find a, find a full-time job. I had a full-time job in a month. Um, and I was kind of looking for somewhere to, you know, where's the, what's the local football here? You know, because realistically Scottish football in Ireland at the time, even at the time I moved over was Celtic Rangers, that's all you bloody knew. That's, you didn't know any other clubs unless they met Celtic or Rangers in a Cup semi-final or Cup final, similar to Kilmarnock, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, Kilmarnock were <laughs> up until they met Celtic in a final because, you know, the that's all you see is Celtic jerseys. Every, I mean, Celtic have a club shop in Dublin, for God's sake. So, I mean, it is it is what it is. But I looked up to kind of, I lived, at the beginning, I lived in Trenent. So coming in and out from work, I worked on Rose Street at the time. And coming in and out, you'd always see the flash Beast Road Stadium on mm-hmm. 26 or 44, whatever bus you were getting. So I was wondering, that's a big-ass stadium. It's definitely not a local league. Where the fuck is they play? Um, and I kind of looked up, and it was, obviously the background the Hibs was it was a, a club created for, you know, working-class Irish and Calgate uh, who were coming over for a better life. And that's exactly what I was doing in the modern day, was coming over here looking for a better life, better quality of life than I had at home. And so it kind of just struck a chord and was like, well, I look at the, the club and I look at myself – there wasn't really m- much of a difference between the origins of the club and what I was doing now. So mm. I had that kind of relationship straight from the off and got my season ticket, started to go to games and um, started to be disappointed on a regular basis. Cause that's what Hibs fans do. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know, Hibs fans are very, um, they can be very pessimistic and and always expect a negative, but you know, I couldn't understand why sometimes, do you know what I mean? But um, no, I just, I fell in love with the club from the get go. And um, it was just Easter Road every other week, just mm-hmm. Easter Road of Sibs, 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 Um and they became my overall priority, you know, every every other club took a backseat, to be honest, um, I was East Stand from the moment I landed here up until I started doing the commentary, um, I was in the East Stand non-stop every game. I mean, I was sat there after we got relegated. I was sat in the stand until they told me to leave <laughs> because I just, I was just sat there like every other fan who was there. Like, what, what just happened? What did I just witness? You know, what I mean, but I've been through the pitfalls. I've been through the ecstasy all in the space of twelve years. So <laughs> I've been through the the twenty tens. You know, the the horrible cup finals. Been through the best cup final in history and promotion, hmm. relegation, you know, it's just everything, and you know.
2: Yeah, so I, I guess it must be a good feeling getting to work um, commenting on the team that you love as well then, Dave. It's
1: it, it's still surreal to me, to be honest, and, and going in there um, and doing the commentary, and I mean, I'm there usually about two hours, two and a half hours for kickoff, obviously setting up the equipment on that, so it's it's still really surreal to me to be able to just walk into the stadium, do the job and, and, and head off afterwards, but still in watching, you know, my favorite team on the Mm. pitch and, and getting to call those games. So when you, when I came in, it was, you know, and uh, let's face it, a lot of, a lot of what I learned and a lot of what I observed was from Cliff full stop, you know, Cliff's been pretty much a mentor since I started at Hibs. And um, the one thing he taught me was, you know, first of all is, to put your fan feeling to the side seat, get it behind you when you come in the door, and you know you have to that kind of fanboy side. You've got to just drop it because when you go in there, you you've got to be as professional as possible. You've got to be able to walk up to anyone you see, shake their hand, nod, say hello, and just you know act as if you're part of the club, which effectively we were. Um, and you know it was one of these things where you you really got to keep a level head and keep yourself grounded because there is times where you come across, you know, you'll walk into the media room you'll be sitting there and, you know, people will come in and the former players will come in that you just you look at and go, Oh my God, no, I can't do that. I can't, <laughs> I can't do, you know, um Pat Bonner walked in one day and I just sat back and just my jaw dropped. Do you know what I mean? As an Ireland fan, you're just like, is he seriously like standing over there? And, and <laughs> Cliff was just like, we'll go off and talk to him then. I'm like, what do you mean? What am I going to say? You know, you get these nervous moments. Of, what am I going to say? What am I going to talk about? Um, I ended up going over and um, just chatting away to him. Obviously, he does the co-coms for BBC on, on the Celtic games and, uh, you know, on the radio. So I got some good advice from him. And and from that moment, you know, when Cliff asked me to talk to him, it wasn't from a fan point of view. He was just go talk to him, find out how he does things. Um, and that's when I started picking everyone's brain, every single person um that i could that i could actually get two minutes with it was just to ask well how do you do this what do you do here yeah you know because that's the only way you're going to get better is is by learning different traits different little bits and pieces from everyone else and kind of just molding it into into your own so you know discretion is another thing and football discretion is everything if you don't have that you can't you there's no point you're working on football yeah. you hear things you see things you you know you you get told things and confidence that you you know you leak to the public you're gone yeah you know what i mean you have to be trusted with these things so the one thing he taught me was discretion and just to keep a level head and be professional and mm. that's pretty much what i've been doing since um but to to work for hibbs is just it's going to be really tough to be that. the only time that's going to be beat is if i am commentating on a republic of ireland game on rt or sky sports that's the only way that's gonna be. Beat. That is that is my pinnacle. That's my level. That's my dream right there. If I do that, I can die a happy man. But um commentating for Hibs is just every every week is even when I'm not commentating, I'm still up there with the lads in the gantry, you know, yeah. watching the game alongside them. So it's it's a privilege, you know, it's one I do not take for granted. Um mm-hmm. and I, I have very high standards, you know. I have to I want Hibs TV commentary as Cliff does to be. At the absolute top level. I don't I wanted to be at that level with BT, BBC, Sky Sports. Because if it's not, then you know, customers are not getting the best out of it. You know, supporters are not getting the best out of the, the club channel, you know. So yeah, it's just it's a phenomenal to work for the club. And mentioning the club
2: channel, Dave, obviously last season was very strange for everyone because we as fans couldn't go to the games, and you as commentators could go to the games. Um which hopefully there's never another season like that. So, for in your experience, obviously commentating on on Hibs during COVID, what what was that like for you? Being maybe one of maybe at max maybe fifty people in the stadium.
1: Difficult, hmm. more difficult than if I was put in front of a hundred thousand people at an El Clasico commentating on a game. I'll tell you why because that game, although we we lost. Um, most recently we had the football for a fiver against Johnson Um, and seeing the stadium packed out, you know, the pre-match with the opera singer and things like that. Mm. The commentators feed off that. It's not, it's the atmosphere resonates to everyone, not just the players and and the coaches and that, but also resonates back to us. So when, when, when Easter road is packed out, we feed off that energy and keeps us going. See during COVID when there's nobody in the stadium, it's really tough to have enthusiasm and to, well, obviously you have enthusiasm and you're watching the game and you're wanting the, the team to do well, but it's really, really tough when you can't see anyone in front of you. You don't have fans screaming, whether it's referees not made the right decision and they're jumping out of their seats and not happy with it, or, you know, goals just been scored, you're not hearing the crowd roar. And it was, um, it was really difficult to to do that. It was very strange, very, very surreal feeling to be in a stadium, an empty stadium and call in a premiership game which really felt like a bounce game you know it really did um but ultimately it was you know i was lucky to be able to be there live when thousands of people weren't able to get the games yeah um and i said that on comms at the time i said look we're very lucky to be in the stadium and to watch these games when thousands upon thousands of people can't even leave their homes Mm. So it was very surreal. I I didn't like it obviously because without fans, what do you have, you know, you don't have anything. And as I said, the energy from the fans and the atmosphere resonates back to us as commentators yeah. and gets us going as well. Mm. It, it, you know, that operatic um, piece at the start of, uh, you know, the game against St Johnston, yeah. um, sunshine on Leith, uh, hairs were standing up on my back. Mm. You know, and regardless of the result, I was I was absolutely. I was shaking up there, you know, just purely the energy. I was just getting overloaded. With. I was, like, I want to get this going, you know. I'm ready to just absolutely go for it on on comms. It was just put me in a really motivated mood. Do you know what I mean? So now to answer your question, it was surreal. Um, I wasn't a fan of it, but I was lucky enough to to be there.
2: Yeah, and um, obviously you work really close to ex-player Tam McManus now on the the commentary. Mm-hmm. So what's that like? What's he like to work with? And uh, is he a good co-commentator?
1: Simple answer to that. And the answer is that I absolutely love working with Tom McManus. Um, and there's multiple reasons for that. Tam, as a co-commentator, what I love about him is he doesn't let up. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't, he says what he, what he means. He says what's on his mind. And um, that gets a lot of respect from me because he's telling things how they are. And it allows me to kind of push the boundaries a little bit on my commentary because at Hibs TV, the one thing that we, you know, another thing that Cliff taught me was, although you're a club channel, you don't want to be ridiculously impartial. Yeah. And say, call for a penalty when it's five yards outside the box. Yeah. You know, and I've seen that. And it's, uh, you know, you have to give credit where credit's due. If, if mm. an opposing team scores a 35-yard cracker, you're not going it, to throw around God. It was an awful goal. No. <laughs> when Connor Ronan scored that goal for St. in at Easter Road, you know, yeah. although it was a Hibs mistake defensively, I looked at it and goes, that was, you know, we said it on, on conferences, a great goal. It was a cracker of a strike. And um that's, uh, you know, working with Tam has allowed me to keep that kind of impartiality in my comms. And, you know, there's always someone there to back you up if mm. you need to say something and, and put something straight out there. Um, if we've not been good enough, for example, you know, or if a challenge wasn't good enough or dodgy or, yeah. you know, we lucky enough at home games, we have the the privilege of replays and stuff like that, so we get to see that. Say, you know, see things back. Sometimes I'll jump out and say, "Look, that was a, a really harsh challenge." I'll see the replay back. No, actually, it wasn't. He got the ball, you know. It was, mm-hmm. But when you see in real time, sometimes it um, it looks a lot worse than it is. But with Tam there by my side, like you know, it's we just work well together. We we bounce off each other really well. He does really well with Cliff as well. He's really easy to work with, um, and I just I, I really enjoy having him there by my side on a, on a match day um and you know he's he's a coach himself so he knows mm. the game inside now he's played all over the world um so he has that knowledge as well of these scottish players and scottish football in general he has a massive knowledge of because he, he just from top to bottom to junior level he'll have knowledge of something somewhere yeah you know so yeah it's um it's absolute pleasure to work with him and i hope he's there with me next season
2: yeah I hope so. And um, last question on the Hibs side, Dave, before mm-hmm. we move on to the listener, some of the listener questions. Um, obviously, you're getting a, a privilege uh, in two weeks' time to commentate on an Edinburgh derby, but at Hamden. So what's that going to be yeah. like for you? Obviously, a massive game for us as fans, but I'm assuming it's your first Edinburgh derby at Hamden you'll have commentated on. So,
1: Yeah, it's um biggest game I'll have done, full stop. Um, mm. I'll be nervous, but again... It'll just be one of these occasions, you know, I was co-commentary for the final against Celtic League Cup final. Yeah. Uh, we lost 5-2, obviously, but I was there with, with Cliff and Keith for that one. And, um, you know, when you go to Hamden, it's an occasion. You know, I was in my suit. Mm. You know, it's one of these things where you have to kind of dress for the occasion. And um no, nothing's going to come close to this. This is by far the biggest game I'll, I will have called. I will be calling and it'll be tough. It'll be a tough one to beat. It's... Not only that, obviously, it's not just the League Cup; it's the Scottish Cup. Yeah, it's a semi-final, and it's it's an Edinburgh derby. It doesn't get bigger than that, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, I'm I'm just buzzing for it. I'm I I cannot wait to get there. You know, I cannot wait for the day to come. And uh, you know, I'm suppose I'm one of the few Hibs fans that are saying that because ultimately we don't have a great record against them at Amman, But I'm, I'm buzzing for it. I, I cannot wait to to just be able to sit there and call that game. I mean, I've done Edinburgh Derby's before, don't get yep. me wrong, but that's, it'll be the biggest game I'll have ever done and will be for a while. Mm.
2: Yeah, for sure. So we got we got a few listener questions for mm-hmm. you coming on, Dave. And um, the first one uh, came from two separate people, uh, one from Baz1875 <laughs> on Twitter and yep. one from Greg McEwan, a uh, Hibs employee. And, he, and both of them are saying... Ooh. Okay. Uh talk to us about the, the Dundee Dundee United thing. So that, <laughs> that Daz said, did you enjoy the stick you got? And uh, Greg says Dundee or Dundee United.
1: Um so Greg, Greg said Dundee or Dundee United yeah. as make a choice. <laughs> um you know what it was it was a genuine mistake at the time, I'll be absolutely honest with you. Um it was it was Dundee United at home and Obviously, you look at when you look at the team sheets. You look at everything else. Everything says Dundee United. So you know, I went into the game and I just, I just came out and just said Dundee instead of United or fucking now the Arabs or tangerines or whatever <laughs> it was. Do you know what I mean? I just, I said Dundee and then Greg turned, <laughs> Greg messaged me and was like, "Stop saying Dundee. It's United." <laughs> and then um, <laughs> then I just, I, I cracked on for about the last fifteen minutes. I uh, corrected myself and, and started saying United. But um, now do you know what it was? i was i was terrified after it had happened um purely because i looked at myself and said i can't believe i made that sort of mistake you know that's the type of mistake that could ruin someone really
2: mm.
1: um and after the game you know cliff was like don't go on social media don't go on twitter just leave it you know there's another game next week and of course what do i do i ignore him. i go on social media so <laughs> <laughs> you're going on to twitter and that and um, uh, about a day and a half after um I just I started seeing the funny side of it you know what I mean I started realizing that it's it's not necessarily a, a horrible thing um, you know you make mistakes but if you can laugh about it then you know you can get over them and make them opportunities rather than uh, mistakes that'll that'll hurt you so ultimately at the beginning I was terrified um you know I was I was angry at myself for making that mistake you know I was that night it was I was horrible. That night I just came home. I just wasn't talking. I just put myself into stupidly put myself into a a bad place that night. You know what I mean? It's but about a day and a half after, like I, you know, I learned to laugh about it. I was looking back over Twitter and just laughing at some of the comments and you know, I just started to laugh about it. And I realized like these are the things that are gonna happen. You know, Mm. you've you've got um Sky Sports who have, you know, Chris Kamara has the greatest one of all time. So, you know, (laughs) these people make these mistakes. I mean, he doesn't even know if someone's been subbed off or red carded. So, (laughs) you know, ultimately it was a gaffe of mine that I looked at negatively, but Mm. ultimately, you know, I learned to see the positive side of it. And now Jack's told me that, you know, it made it onto some of these banner pages and that, you know, that it makes me smile. And I'm delighted that I was able to make people laugh and, you know, and obviously not for... Uh, United fans <laughs> but um, you know it was, it, was, it was funny looking back on it and it was one of those things that I wouldn't change it you know mm. I wouldn't change it because every time I do a home game now you know whether it's Dundee or United I always get a text from Greg or somebody saying remember it's United not Dundee every game without fail um, so, it, you know, if I don't get one of those texts, I'll be annoyed now. Do you know what I mean? If I don't get one of those messages for somebody correcting me, it, it's annoying. So ultimately it was a, it was something I thought was negative, but in the end, it just turned out to be a great bit of banner, mm. you know, and it's it's something that I, I, I'll bring up if I'm doing a, a Dundee game for hips TV, Tom will rag me on it now. You know, he will turn <laughs> around and say, now remember David's, uh, it's Dundee, not you know, not, you know, it's, I love it. You know, I wouldn't change it now looking back on it. Mm.
2: And a last listener question uh, from DB Designs 32 on Instagram. What's been your favorite game to commentate on?
1: Before I get into that, I will say to Greg, um, it is Dundee that I prefer, not Dundee United. You know, I forgot about Greg's question there. <laughs> um, and the reason for that is that I just, I love, um, a lot of people say they don't like Den's Park, but the last few times I've been to Killmac Stadium, It'll always be dense park to be but when I, whenever i go to den's park it, it has that old school stadium atmosphere mm. that i love um and i experienced that when hibs played carlisle in a pre-game friendly oh um, yeah a pre season friendly um when we went down there they had all the old school terracing you know around it and i love that you know i love the stadiums that have that real nothing but football kind of atmosphere um and uh, do you know what they've always treated me well you know not mm. to say that you know it haven't but i just find United's ground a lot more claustrophobic. I find Dens Park a lot more inviting. And obviously they have their new stadium being built now, which looks amazing. So um yeah, just to answer Greg's question, I'd probably prefer Dundee to, to United.
2: I so what's been your favorite game to commentate on?
1: Oh, I've had I've had some good ones. Um and I'd say the best one I've done so far from a league commentator point of view. Um is probably, and I, I know this may be a strange one, but when we beat St. Johnston 4-1, um, when Christian Deutsch got his hat-trick, yep. that was probably the best game I've done so far. Now, I know people are going to say why, you know, but it was one of those games where you felt it, we weren't going to lose. You know, Christian Deutsch hit a hat-trick as well. First, I think it was the first one for the club as well. And at that time, Christian Deutsch was under a bit of flack for not scoring, and that mm-hmm. kicked off his run of seven or eight or nine or however many games he scored in a row. Um, and it was just there. it was great to be there for the beginning of that, you know, a four one win, and we were cruising, you know. And it's so <laughs> rare that you get a St johnson Hibbs game where everything's going our way, mm. and the goals are flowing for us. The, the team's playing great. And It was just one of those results, absolutely. You know, one of those games, I absolutely loved, absolutely loved that game. Um, and it was pro- yeah, that was probably the best I've commented on. Um, and I've done Edinburgh derbies, but uh, you know, the last Edinburgh derby I done, we were beating at Easter Road. Um. Mm. I think it was when Aaron Hickey was there. I think he got the deflected goal um, at the the South Stand. So I've not had great memories of the Edinburgh Derby games that I've done, except for the one at Tyne Castle, but it was co-commentary for that. So, yeah, that's probably the best game I've done. And for that reason, where everything just clicked on the day. There's so many games that I've done where there's always been something, you know, we've either had to fight for the result or it's been a struggle or this one, just everything just clicked. Mm. Goals, As I said, goals flow, flowing team was playing great. You felt the atmosphere was going Hib's way and just, yeah, just on the job.
2: Yeah, that was a good game. Um, so I'll pass you back to Jack. And mm-hmm. uh, Jack's got a wee quiz for us to take part Yay. in, so... <laughs>
0: this is where yeah, I get every thought, question um, wrong. Since we're, on, <laughs> since we're getting you on, Dave, um, um, usually on the midweek episodes we do a quiz anyway, and since we're getting you on, Dave, we thought we may as well make you take part as well. Yeah, why not? Because um, <laughs> why not? Um, so, yeah, basically... People that have watched the podcast before will know how the quiz works, but I'll explain it. Um, six questions, three on Hibs men, three on Hibs women. Um, this week, they've all got an Edinburgh Derby theme, the questions, uh, to celebrate <laughs> Dave's commentary <laughs> debut at Hamden in the Edinburgh Derby. So, um, yeah, it's all Edinburgh Derby themed. Uh, so, best of luck, guys. So will just uh, jump right into it. So, question number one, who was the Hibs manager when we claimed our, fin- our famous 7-0 Edinburgh Derby victory at Tyne Castle on New Year's Day 1973, and since you are the guest, Dave, I'll come to you first. You
1: don't have to pass on that. I remember everything but the manager.
0: Actually, apart right, so you've, you've passed on it, so Charlie, you better not be looking at <laughs> Google <laughs> here, mate. Yes, <laughs> he he's
2: got his eyes on the screen. <laughs> Where is my phone? Um, <laughs> 70, was 73? Aye. Uh, t- Eddie Turnbull, I think.
0: I can reveal reveal that Charlie's correct? It was Eddie Turnbull's Turnbull's Tornadoes. Um, So yeah, 1-0. And we'd actually, so it's 1-0 Charlie. We actually had a poor record in the Derby heading up into that game. So it was quite a shock. I've got a funny story, but I think I maybe told it on here before that. Back then, fans weren't segregated. And my Jambo supporting uncle was there with my granddad, and my granddad's mate, who was also a high B, Rab. And he left at 3-0 and didn't know until the next day that it ended up 7 until he looked at the paper. <laughs> so let's just say my Uncle Roy wasn't very happy about that one at all. Um, so we'll move on to the next question. So who scored both of our goals in our comeback 2-1 Edinburgh Derby win at Time Castle in 2019? Charlie, I'll come to you first.
2: Daryl Horgan,
0: Dave?
1: Now, see, this is uh no. It was Daryl Horgan because I remember the Martin Boyle one was two nil or aye. three three one. one I was torn between Martin Boyle and
0: Daryl Horgan. I couldn't remember
1: which game was.
0: I we beat them twice
1: in twice comeback. in the same yeah. year. There, yeah. mm-hmm.
0: so I can reveal that. David, you go, Daryl as your final I answer. Daryl, yeah, yeah. I can reveal you're both correct. So it's two one to Charlie. Um, Daryl Horgan scored scored both goals after going one 0 down. Q um, pandemonium.
2: That's the yeah, one.
0: That one became known for, but yeah, um, that was obviously that'd been our first win at Ten Castle since twenty twelve as well. That's um, right, yeah. That
1: kick started. That a few results that kind of went our way at Ten Castle, and uh, yeah, that was awful. Still one day, there. that was. I mean, yep I am beaten there, so and I probably just cost
0: us for. <laughs> no, the hard,
1: the horrible thing is the way depending on where the split goes, we could end up playing them three times in two weeks.
0: I know. Yeah, that's the so. Yeah, Darryl, that's give, was, that's given Cliff. Bring it, bring it on. To <laughs> the hospital.
1: Exactly. Oh, Cliff was like, "No, I can't do that. I can't. I don't have the heart for that."
0: I <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm, if i am not nervous, you're young. Myself, you've got your youth. <laughs> eight times by then, but yeah. So, um, Darlington, we did beat them twice in that season. Obviously, Jack Ross's first Edinburgh derby was the one in um, Tain Castle on Boxing Day. We won that as well. So. Final one of the men's. Gordon Smith is Hibs' all-time top goal scorer in the Edinburgh Derby. How many goals did he score? In the fact I'll give the nearest. I'll give a point to the nearest guest. So Dave will come to you first. How many goals okay. did Gordon Smith score? Um, Hibs' all-time top goal scorer in the Edinburgh Derby. I'm gonna go seventeen. Charlie. Twelve. So I can reveal that Charlie gets the point, he was the closest, it was 15, <laughs> 15 oh. and he is our record goal scorer in the Edinburgh Derby, oh. Gonsmith obviously part of the famous oh, five well. to
2: No, Dave's closer, Jack, Dave's closer.
0: I'm, 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 sorry, I'm, th- I'm sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry I did, that was my that was my poor maths here, sorry, um, Dave two, two. gets the point, so it's 2-2 two, two now. Right, you're
2: yeah. right, you're right there for a change on the maths side. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I can't I can't add. Sorry,
1: you're not alone, mate. Don't worry. Oh, it's no, fine.
0: I'm I'm terrible. So um, yeah, so it's two two um, heading into the women's questions now. So Charlie, you're gonna have to try and make <laughs> up some. You have to make up some ground. You're gonna you've got a lot of pride play. The podcast is right on this, giving our coverage of the women's game. So um
2: and the fact that I've never lost a quiz as well. So yeah, there's exactly. are so,
0: <laughs> going Dave. You might end up humiliating them. Um, so. So this first question the women's ones who bagged the hat trick this is multiple choice um, so who bagged oh, thank the hat trick for that. A 7-1 trial over hearts at the Orium in the Scottish Cup in 2019 was it A. Rachel Boyle B. Kirsten Riley or C. Shavon Hunter I'll come to you first Charlie C. Dave Siobhan Hunter Those are both correct so it's um, 3-2 right. to Dave 3-3 sorry and um, is it 3 3? Yeah, 3 3. i have sorry, I've, I've had a long day. Um, so, it's uh, Siobhan Hunter, obviously. Siobhan, uh, who being a massive high B, really enjoyed that. Um, He's got the hat trick from centre half as well, which is even more impressive. So, Hearts obviously went 1 0 up in that game and we ended up beating them 7 1. Was um, that
1: before the league went professional?
0: Yeah, so Hearts were in the SWPL2 at the time. That's right, yeah. Um, so, we beat them as a second division side. So, Moving on to the next question. Three three apiece here. What current Hibs women player played for Hearts before joining Hibs? So, Dave, I'll come to you first. Which current. Is there there only one? There's only one just now. Um, So, which current Hibs women player played for Hearts before joining Hibs?
1: Probably got to be wrong here, but was it Leah Eddy?
0: Right. Okay, so Leah Eddy is your answer, Charlie. Emily Mutt can reveal that Charlie's got the correct answer there and restores his lead. Um, so it's 4-3 now. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily Much played for Hartford before joining us. Lee was previously at Rangers before joining us. Uh, OK. So, I mean, you weren't... I mean, Rangers and Hartford. <laughs> really. quite, quite similar, quite similar. Um, but, yeah, it was Emily Much. Emily Much was Hartford's keeper in the season. He got promoted from the SWPL too. So moving on to our last question. So it's all at stake here. Charlie could win it or Dave could get level and take us to the tiebreaker. So, which young Hibs women star has scored in all three Edinburgh Derbies this season? Charlie, I'll come to you first. Ailey Adams. Dave? Young Hibs star. Yep. Young Hibs women star.
1: I'm going to say the same. It's Ailey Adams if it's a young player. Definitely.
0: Uh, well, there you go. So, I can reveal that you are both correct. Um, and Charlie, I think, wins a quiz 5-4. Is there we go. So speak Charles, continues. But a valiant effort from Dave. There, the streak <laughs> lives on. A valiant, a valiant ever, Dave. I'm getting, part, I'm like
2: a, I'm like Undertaker at WrestleMania. One day yeah, it's gonna well, end.
0: I think. Um, just got to say, Charlie, you've you managed to survive the scare there. You managed to survive the challenge, but fair play to Dave. No. <laughs> First time on the podcast, and he's uh, he's done I'll not have to too badly. There, up so, next time. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to see if we can beat him if we ever get you on again. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah that concludes our interview with Dave and thank you so much for coming to speak to us about football and all things Hibs today Dave.
1: I appreciate that, thanks for having
0: me really enjoyed it. So yeah yeah, until next time, glory glory to the Highbies.